0: The November 8 election in Kansas is fast approaching, and State Treasurer Lynn Rogers is with the Kansas Reflector podcast to help us understand why voters should allow him to have a full four-year term in that job. He's running against Republican Stephen Johnson, a state legislator who prevailed in an extremely close August primary election. I'm Sherman Smith, the Editor-in-Chief of the Kansas Reflector. Uh, Mr. Rogers, welcome to our neighborhood.
1: Thank you. Glad to be here.
0: Let's start with the simplest of questions. Why are you seeking this office?
1: Well. I see the state treasurer's office as a position that can really help ordinary Kansans. Um, It hasn't been used that way, uh, but there's a lot of things that we do that can help uh, Kansans in their day-to-day life. Our economic recovery and ag loans, um, the 529 Learning Quest, the unclaimed property. Um, I just think there's a lot that can be done if we focus on people uh, and a lot of good that can be done for the state.
0: Very good. We'll talk about some of those issues here in a second, but just for, I think a lot of people don't really know what the state treasurer's office is, what, what your, your role is, what is the job?
1: Well, um, in essence, I'm the state banker. And so what that means is we go in and balance the checking account every day. We serve as kind of a watchdog and make sure the checks that come in and go out through all the different state, uh, most of the state uh, checking accounts, you know, are, are the authorized checks. We make sure that uh, bonds are issued for cities, counties, and school districts. Um, We do a lot of regular banking work, uh, make loans for various uh, things. Um, So it really is uh, much more focused on on day-to-day banking services. We provide advice to the governor and the legislature when it comes to banking services, some of those kind of things. And then, you know, we serve, I serve on the CAPERS board. The investment part is really less than 10% of what, what I do.
0: For, for people who are not familiar with, with who you are, give us a, a little idea of your, your background, how you got to this point.
1: Okay. Well, um, I was an ag banker for 30 years. I lived in Wichita, traveled western Kansas and, and rural Kansas for almost 31 years. Um, I served on my Wichita School Board, a uh, local school board for about 16 and a half years, really had no plan to come to Topeka, uh, but had a senator that wasn't supportive of public education and so uh, I ran and won and as a state senator served for a couple of years and Governor Kelly asked me to be her lieutenant governor and I served there uh, again for two years. We, uh, I was in charge of what we call the Office of Rural Prosperity where we helped uh, increase the amount of home uh, housing for rural communities, broadband, some of those kind of things. And then when the position for uh, state treasurer opened up, the governor asked me to serve in this role because of my banking background.
0: So you've been in this role for you know, about a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. Have you had a, a chance to assess the the work of your predecessor, Jake Leterner, who's now in uh, Congress?
1: What we found when we got to the office was similar to what Governor Kelly and I found with a lot of the state agencies. Things that kind of been... Called it out or ignored. Um, you know, we had uh, this office has primarily been used to run for Congress the last uh, few treasurers, um, and I think their Kansas deserve better. Uh, we found a, a you know our databases were out of date. Uh, uh, in, uh, regulations that were uh, being implemented by the the Trump IRS uh, department had not been implemented. Particularly with our ABLE accounts, we were very much on the verge of losing those. Those are an account where folks that live with a, mm. a disability can save additional money. Um, and then also, uh, we were using 1980s banking uh, procedures, i.e., pen and ink, uh, to, uh, to make uh, payments. And so we've been able to update a lot of things. Uh, staff have really been empowered to, to help make decisions and move the state forward. And, and so I feel like, in, a, in one sense, we've really been able to uh, jump ahead. And catch up uh, with some of the things that mm. had been uh, you know, really ignored uh, partly because we didn't have a banker in this
0: position before. you know across state government before Laura Kelly arrived we saw kind of disinvestments in a lot of these agencies. Um, some rare cases there were some leadership that uh, perhaps were not qualified but I'm just curious why why you found these these issues at the treasurer's office Was it a disinvestment issue or just people not not doing what they needed to do?
1: I don't think that most of the folks that were there were there because they wanted to be. They wanted to use the office to run mm-hmm. for something higher up. Um I really don't have any desire to run to Congress. I've told people that multiple times. Um I really like Kansas and want to stay here. Um and then you know, I also because of my background, uh, and I sometimes kid with people that part of the Fun of doing this job is that I get to count twenty billion dollars a year, you know, in, in uh, state revenues. You know, they don't let me near the cash, but uh, but it is part of the the uh, fun part of banking that I've always had in my whole career is how do you use this uh, the, the banking uh, services, the things that you're doing. How do you help people? And a lot of people don't understand how finances work, and so you know, in this job and even my previous job, I was able to to melt those together and help people improve their financial condition.
0: So your opponent in this race, Stephen Johnson, is an Assyria Republican. He's a, a farmer. He also has some financial credentials. What is your assessment of him?
1: Um, you know, I think He was a good legislator. I think uh, you know, he, he has a record that uh, is mixed. I mean, he likes to say that it's moderate, but you know, really votes very far, far right. Um, you know, he has investment experience, which is, is great. Uh, but this position is much bigger than just investments. Um, you know, we do some of that through CAPERS and PMIB, but um, but those are really uh, my role, um, the trustees' role for CAPERS are really uh, like the board of education or city council. We set the policy. We don't do the day-to-day investment advice. That's really mm-hmm. professional's job. So you know, I, I think he's a little mismatched for what he probably could do. Uh, while he'd do a good job, like some of the previous treasurers, I'm not sure if he'd focus on the banking stuff that we really need to get done.
0: You've talked about part of your role being you know, somebody who can maybe shine a light on looming crisis before they, they get here. I think one of those issues would be with, with droughts in Kansas. Do you want to talk about that issue?
1: Well, we're, we're highlighting right now that you know, helping people um, identify and talk about it, um, it, it's not something that's really coming up real often, but as we look at drought maps, we talk to farmers and ranchers. I, I, uh, have traveled about 65,000 miles in this position since last January. And we talk to folks all the time about, you know, kitchen table things and, and, you know, their income, you know, farmers, that's a big concern. Um, and it goes beyond just the, uh, aquifer and, you know, the loss of water. So oh, yeah, the Ogallala, the Ogallala aquifer. aquifer yeah, <laughs> out west. Uh, but, you know, we've got some really, you know, you're driving around, you see a lot of dust and, and dry spots and, and, mm-hmm. you know, crops aren't quite as good as, as they, as, as in some places, as they need to be. So I do think it's something we need to talk about. You know, we offer um, economic recovery loans. We, we do agricultural loans. It's where we take uh, idle State dollars mm-hmm. and put that, um, you know, to work with financial institutions. So similar to when the, the, uh, the high energy uh, costs were mm-hmm. hit, hitting last February, we helped uh, respond to those. And then say with the Ellis uh, County fires. We, we offered these economic recovery loans that those were really designed originally just for COVID relief. But what we've seen is that it's the only kind of uh, emergency loan programs that we offer. And we, we do partner with local financial institutions, but we want to make sure that those are available and uh, people are aware of.
0: I am curious about the, the loan program from the, I think it was February, 2021, this this deep freeze was, yes. reached negative 20 and it was extreme temperatures for a while. You know, it seemed like much of that issue was with price gouging. What seems to be obvious price gouging is these, these cost of natural gas skyrockets. Uh, and it felt like, you know, it, on one hand, people needed assistance to go pay their bills, but it also meant they were kind of locking in this this um, loss of having to pay this extreme cost. Are, are people able to, I, I think these are maybe municipalities, maybe but municipalities. Yeah. You know, they're able the to energy, pay this back?
1: Uh, natural gas prices went from like $2.49 a unit to 660 I would think that seems to me is price gouging as well, but we've seen nothing from the Attorney General on that. A supposedly, he's hired a law firm to investigate, but they've not approached us or, or, or more. as far as I know, have not talked to anybody. Um, the, the, the legislature and the governor responded very quickly and passed a bill for $100 million of loans uh, last February. Um, that was on a Wednesday. It became law on a, on a Thursday, and we had applications and money out the door. On Friday, um, with very good um, legal documents, because we knew it was going to happen, so we started earlier. But uh, and so, if there is any uh, relief from price gouging that comes back and pays down those loans or gets refunded, um, we loaned about eighty million of that in about two weeks, which is really wow. record. Those loans have been paid down to less than sixty million now, so the municipalities are paying for them. But it's a, for many of them, it's a 10 year loan and it's, it's, you know, for a previous. It's going to uh, hang over
0: the state for a long time. Uh, it
1: is. And it's going to hurt those cities for doing economic development or, or uh, an improvement of something else that they need to do. So, so I do mm-hmm. hope that we still, um, you know, look at that. I've been encouraging legislators to continue. You know, they passed a resolution that they wanted it looked into as well. But again, I don't think anything's been done by the attorney general.
0: Well, another part of the treasurer's job, which is a little more fun than that, is to hand out the unclaimed property to people who are not expecting to get a check from the state. Do you have a, uh, just kind of give us an overview of kind of the range, how many millions of dollars are we talking about in unclaimed assets, and and how do people miss this stuff?
1: Well, it's about $400 uh, give or take a couple million, and uh, we hold it as trustees for the state. Um, We've returned uh, 25 to 30 million a year, Uh, we've kind of enhanced some of our uh, staffing, we've tried to increase that so that they're actually doing more outbound calls, but these are uh, checking accounts, bank accounts, stocks and bonds, but even more so it could be a a rebate, a utility deposit, um, a final paycheck for, you know, part-time employee and it gets mailed to your home. And for some reason, it doesn't get delivered, and then it gets sent to wow. us. So and people
0: so, like move from one place to another, and mail doesn't catch up with them, or right, something exactly. like that. And
1: there's only a six-month period of time where you know where it will be tra- uh, traced, and and so we get a lot of that, and we 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 doing everything we can to try to promote that and help people understand it. Um, I try to travel at least one to two days a week where I'm at in grocery stores or coffee shops or, yeah. or um, you know, all kinds of different events to let people know that they have them. We do festivals and events. Oftentimes when people uh, are contacted by our office, they'll, they'll think it's a fraud or somebody that's trying right. to scam them. Uh, but we'll send letters. We'll, we'll make phone calls. Um, I had one business that had about 16,000. I had to call them about eight times before they finally realized I really wow. was a legitimate set, the person. Um, and we tell people all the time all you can do is go to kansascash.ks.gov. That's the website. You can plug your name in. We encourage people to check their nonprofits, their churches, their, their businesses because we've got money for them as well. Um, if they go to a spot where somebody asks them to pay to find it, they're not on our spot. We mm-hmm. never charge for that type of thing.
0: One of the keys here is the .gov and the, the address. Yes, yeah. exactly.
1: They need to go to the, the ks.gov. And, uh, I mean, we also have safe deposit boxes, uh, contents. One of the things we we discovered was that we have about 100 military medals. We're oh, trying wow. to get those reunited. We think those really belong you know, with the family. Um, medals
0: from 50 years ago, 80? Uh,
1: I Maybe mean, we've got uh, World War II, Purple Hearts, we've oh, got, wow. uh, all kinds of things that people have put in there. and We do have the names and addresses of those people. We have it on a special um, part, part of our website now where you can go in and just look at military medals. Uh, but we're hoping to get those back. We're working with VFWs mm-hmm. uh, uh, and American Legion posts to kind of pass the word and, and uh, let people know about those as well.
0: It's really interesting and I know that you found money for legislators, lobbyists, uh, political party officials. You've also found money for, I think, school districts, municipalities around the state.
1: Yeah, we've returned about a hundred thousand for school districts. Um, probably a hundred that much for cities and counties as well. And uh, and oftentimes, you know, people don't realize they didn't get it. It's a vendor check or something like mm-hmm. that. And so, um, so we we again, you know, we'll sort uh, all different types of ways. I think we found about forty thousand for Wichita State, twenty-five thousand for K-State. So, um, and it is—it seems weird that you can't find those places. But again, if a mail gets returned to a vendor of some kind, a letter gets returned, they don't do a whole lot of extra work. And so, we're going to have to work with our holders too to encourage them to do a little bit more work up front, so that it doesn't come to us in the first place.
0: What's the largest chunk of cash that you've handed over?
1: Uh, last July we did five million dollar check to a, a business in uh, the Johnson county area hmm. um, they
0: how do you miss five million dollars <laughs>
1: well and the funny thing was the, the people that uh, that were holding it from them uh, the, the business that, was receiving it, was had been paying them premiums during that same period of time. So there was no reason oh, wow. why that business couldn't find uh, the, the Kansas uh, residents. So uh, so again, yeah, we had a little discussion with them to say, hey, we need to do a little bit better job <laughs> of finding these people. So,
0: so one last time for the people who are wondering if they have $5 million out there, the, <laughs> exactly. the website is?
1: kansascash.ks.gov. So spell out Kansas, K-A-N-S-A-S, cash, C-A-S-H.ks.gov.
0: Right. The Treasurer's Office handles the oversight of the Learning Quest College Savings Plan. Um, can you talk about what this plan is, who it's for, kind of the, the size of it?
1: Yeah, this is a, uh, we have about eight and a half to nine billion dollars uh, for about 270,000 accounts. Um, it's an education savings account that allows parents and grandparents to save for their kids' uh, higher education. Um, and in 2019, it was expanded to include, they can use it for a, a four-year degree, two-year degree, vocational school, technical college, mm-hmm. uh, even a, a repay, you know student debt. Um, you can put up to 16000 a year into these accounts. You actually get a $3,000 per person or $6,000 per, per, uh, per couple uh, tax deduction on your Kansas taxes. And all the earnings are tax-free. Um, until you pull them out, and if you use it for tuition and fees, there's no uh, tax on it either. So it's really a great uh, tax instrument to help save for higher education. I really wish my kids I've been able to do it. I, I have regular savings, and but I paid taxes every year on those earnings. And this would have let me grow that forward for a period of time to, to do that type of thing.
0: So, I think the so program's so. been around long enough now that the people who did start when their, their kids were very young, you know, they're actually able to use that now, graduating now.
1: Oh, I've had story after story of people that have, you know, said, yeah, we've used that. That helped quite a bit. Um, and plus, if you name a child and then they choose not to go to that school, you can, you can change the beneficiary. Mm. Um, we've got adults opening them for themselves to go to master's or, or graduate degrees, even teachers that want to use it for continuing education. There's just a lot of uses for it. Uh, we work with American Century out of Kansas City. Uh, there are uh, investment advisors. You choose the type of investment uh, vehicle that you want. Oftentimes you you know, part of the process is you put the current age of the child and what what the graduation time is so that it gives them some ideas as to how long they, they can invest it and what you can possibly do with it.
0: I've written about this program in the past in the context of your your predecessors, Republican and Democrat, using this program as an opportunity to plaster their face all over the airwaves with what are basically campaign ads, but under the guise of Learning Quest and, and taxpayers foot the bill for this. I think you're the... Only treasurer of the century who has not done this. We
1: we did some we've done some YouTube um, videos, but we've not done any uh, broadcast uh, mm. advertising. Uh, I was asked the question when I first came in what would what were we going to do with it, or was I going to do that same thing? And what I mentioned was that we wanted to use what we thought would be the most effective marketing tools possible. And so what we've done is we've done much more, many more seminars. We've been reaching out to high school counselors and to parent groups. Um, directly to let them know, you know what's going on. Um, we've also been doing, um, you know, grants to cities or to school districts and and you know um, uh, things like that, where we can get mm. in front of parents and and uh, and students alike, so that we can do that. We Is this strategy
0: their- just as effective as as using you know these these campaign ads? Are you still seeing the program well, I think,
1: grow? I think a lot of those ads, you know, they focus more on. You know, the, the Treasurer and not on the pro- program itself, on Learning Quest, to help mm. people understand it. I've been amazed that we've had about a 33% increase in the number of accounts oh, for wow. Learning Quest. And I think what's interesting on that is, is I think it's because people understand what it can do for them, not what it can do for the Treasurer.
0: <laughs> well, it can do a lot for a Treasurer if they're looking to run it, for it Congress. Exactly. So during um, during the COVID nineteen pandemic, your your office was tasked with some of the responsibility of making economic recovery loans. What are the the boundaries of that program? How's that working out for people?
1: Um, yes, that was a program uh, where a business or a nonprofit or an individual uh, could borrow up to $250,000 for economic recovery. There wasn't a lot of description as to what that would necessarily mean. Uh, they have to partner with a local uh, financial institution, a, a credit union, a commercial bank, or farm credit entity. Um, the bank takes and makes their decision based on um, uh, credit standards, so we're not taking any risk, uh, credit risk at the state and then we will loan that money to the financial institution which loans it to the customer. Usually it's about uh, 2% lower than what the market rate would be. Mm-hmm. And so those rates have gone up a little bit, but it's still lower than what a normal loan would be. Um, and we've actually seen it, that we've expanded we use it some. We use it for the Ellis uh, fires. We've used it for some drought work now and, and other things. So mm-hmm. um, uh, we also have a program for agricultural loans and housing loans. Um, our biggest problem with the housing loan program is that started in 20, or, uh, 2008. And they have never loaned a dime, and so we're working on know. how do we revamp that to make that more usable. We're looking at maybe kind of a rehab program where we partner with a nonprofit and, and a commercial bank to uh, return some of these uh, rural houses, particularly that are um, not up to code. Uh, how do we return them to good housing stock for that community?
0: Is this federal money program? This the
1: idle uh, state dollars. Okay. Uh, so it's a fund about, each of those are in front of about $60 million um, that we can loan uh, You know, through the, the treasurer's office. Um, it, we are always concerned that we get the principal back. That's really key. So we don't take the credit risk. But we do make better earnings on it than we would if we were loaning it um, just into the investment market.
0: Hmm. I'm curious how often people default on these kind of loans.
1: We have never had a default that I'm aware of, um, and we—if uh, it has been—that default is is the responsibility of the financial institution that's making the loan. Um, so we're in essence the funder for it. we're providing. It, it really works out well when um, the financial institutions need capital. Um, you know, when deposits are tight. Uh, we've been in a market the last couple of years where there's been a, a lot of cash in the banking world, so they have not used these programs. We've only had the agricultural loan program working. The, even the economic recovery, we've had about a dozen of those loans made, so there's not a huge number of those yet, but we know that with interest rates rising, uh, those uh, dollars are going to be a little tighter in the financial markets, and so those financial institutions I think will start looking to us soon for some of that for extra cash.
0: You mentioned that the state treasurer is a member of the Kansas Public Employees Retirement System Board of Trustees. It's known as CAPERS. It's the state's pension system. Yes. Um, CAPERS has taken a, a big hit in the current market, hasn't it?
1: We have. Um, it's dropped. Uh, you know, We've had two previous years where we've had 25% returns, and uh, we're currently, I think, 3 or 4% uh, negative. And so that has hit the, the market pretty bad uh it's still better than the uh, benchmark that's one of the things as as a board of trustees we we ask our professionals and our investment managers to give us what they think should be the return and then our uh goal is that we beat that so if they tell us we want a 5% return uh we want to make sure we get better than that if it's a 5% loss we want to do less than that so uh so that's partly what our job is there's nine trustees uh, four are appointed by the governor One by the uh, Speaker of the House, one by the President of the Senate, and then two are elected, uh, one by teachers and one by first responders, and then the state treasurer serves as a member as well.
0: The state sold, uh, I think, more than a billion dollars in bonds to try to kind of make money in the market and and boost the, the holdings for... For CAPERS, that I assume, is not working out quite so well just well, yet. Uh, it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a long-term investment. It's helpful.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it, uh, it's one of those things. There's several things that went on at the same time. Um, you know, a third of that was actually repayment of delays and mm. eliminations of, of earlier CAPERS uh, deposits uh, that should have been made during the brownback years. And, you know, in order to balance uh, the accounts, many of those had to be uh, stopped or delayed. That's what the legislature mm. chose to do. So that was one of the things, you know, the governor had suggested that we repay those, and that was part of the bill, and then the legislature added some, you know, additional funding as well. Um, you know, we have a moral obligation to make those payments. We have since, the, you know, the, the 80s, and um, in many yeah. cases, we it's been one of the last things that the state has funded. So, um, you know, these are people that have, you know, provided um, either first responder uh, services, you know, our police, our, our firemen, or our teachers, you know, public servants, and so, you know, I'm glad the legislature has put that money in. We'd be in much worse shape if we didn't. Uh, but we still need to consider, uh, you know, additional uh, deposits down the road.
0: So I, I want to clarify, I know that they've repaid some of these missed payments, but they also, I believe they authorized some bonds independent of that just to take out money uh, as a loan, basically, with the idea that CAPERS would make more money than they were paying on the interest. Right.
1: And I believe in 2014, and I want to say... Seventeen or eighteen—I can't remember—they were uh, four or five hundred million each of those times, and in both cases, we have made more money than um, what the bond payments are made, and then those bond payment interests are actually paid from the general fund; they're not being paid from from capers. But part of that was under the obligation of of um, building up the um, investment balance that we needed to to be there.
0: The the people who are working at state agencies now—are they going to have a retirement?
1: Um, yes, I think they are, but, you know, there's some other issues we need to talk about too. You know, mm-hmm. during the Brownback years, um, they created a third capers plan called capers three. Um, it is yeah. not as, uh, good of a, of a pension plan. It's basically a 401k. It's, it's, yeah, it's kind of a mix between them. Um, you know, under capers two and capers three, if you retire, the difference is, is like, uh, you know, if you're a $50,000 income, and you retire at uh, the same day as a capers three, you'd make about thirty five thousand in pension on one and seventeen thousand on the other. So it, the capers three is just not as as uh, appealing. And I think that's something that we need to look at and discuss because uh, again, many people go into state government teaching. They're doing it not for the money. They're they're doing it for the public service. And the pension is always something that was used to help keep them there. And uh, you know, with our uh, loss of teachers and and the, the folks that aren't uh, staying around, and even some of our first responders, I think there's things we have to look at. How, what, what is it going to take to keep them there so that we're protected and taken care of as citizens?
0: I think the, the other part of this is the retirees haven't actually received a COLA since the 90s. Oh, 88. Yeah. I thought it was the 90s. Yeah.
1: yeah. We recommended it as a board this year to the legislature because we thought of, of any year that uh, we uh, had the money there was funds you know, with that, this, this mm-hmm. legislative session. They chose you know, to vote that down, uh, the Republican majority. Um, and it would have been one where it was just a one year. It would have been paid for out of current. So it wasn't going to be something that was going to be ongoing. Um, but uh, they did not want to consider that.
0: Mm. Well, finally here, do you have goals for the office that we haven't talked about yet?
1: Well, I think there's a lot of things, again, that can be done. Um, you know, things that people save for is housing, retirement, and education. We've got a great education program. We need to revamp our housing you know, program. Uh, the legislature passed a housing savings program, but it hasn't really taken off yet. Uh, but we also see that you know 55% of the Kansans don't have retirement savings, and those that do, it averages about twenty thousand. So we're sitting on a potential crisis, uh, mm-hmm. you know, not too many years away, where people aren't going to have money when they retire or when they're at the age where they can't work any longer. And so we're encouraging the something that we've looked at a couple times called work and save. It's a program from uh, the AARP that they're promoting. Fourteen. Uh, states have already done it. Uh, Oregon is a good example. If you your company doesn't offer a retirement uh, program, then you can save through the state. Uh, California's done it as well. Oregon, I think they have almost $100 million saved for people's future, and uh, it's, it's a program. We had a, a seminar on it in Johnson County this summer. Um, we're trying to promote it to help more people understand what it would mean. We think it'll. It's, it's really not an issue for either red or blue, you know, Republican or Democrat. Uh, but if people have retirement savings, they'll have more dignity when they face their future. And we won't really need quite as much, uh, you know, state uh, help uh, for welfare or, or social services if people have some of their own resources.
0: Never too soon to start saving for retirement.
1: Exactly. I uh, tell that to my staff, to my kids, to anybody that'll listen. Before.
0: We have to leave it there, but thank you for joining us, Kansas State Treasurer Lynn Rogers. Thank you. Thank you.